Thank you for listening to Elohim Christian Church's podcast. We're a place where imperfect people worship and meet a perfect God. If this is your first time listening, we're located in Richmond Hill in Queens, New York City, and are led by pastors Carlos and Rebecca Medina. If you're looking for a place to worship and to know Jesus, we would love to meet you and see you in person. Find us online at www.elohimchurch.org so we can connect. And now, here's this week's message. So um, this morning, we are, we are honored to have with us a, a friend of mine, um, uh, Jacob Jester. Uh, him and I connected last year in a, in a wonderful meeting that I was invited to be a part of that had to do with missions in Africa. And uh, Jacob is uh, a director of mobilization of, um, of uh, missionaries in Africa. He's got a heart for Africa, a heart for missions. He is a young man that loves the Lord. He has a wonderful, wonderful call upon his life. He first was evangelist, and now he functions as a missionary. And uh, since the moment, you know, when you meet somebody and you go, man, I like that guy, you know, that's a good guy. And from the moment that we connected, there was just something special about him. And then when I came to New York and I ran into somebody who knows him, says, man, that's a good guy. And I said, you know what? I had that sense. And him and I have been in contact. And recently he told me, hey, I'm going to be in New York this weekend. If you like, I can stop by the church. I said, listen, we want you to stop by and we want you to encourage us as well. I know the Lord has put a word in his heart for us today. Help me receive him this morning. Help me welcome uh, our missionary, Jacob Gesture, with us. Amen. How are you today? Excellent. You guys look amazing. And uh, this has been a wonderful morning already. Um, probably one of the most powerful baptism services I've ever been in. Just the way that everyone encouraged the moment and how people were celebrating and honoring the people who were being baptized today. It is such a privilege to be able to be with you today. My name is Jacob Jester, and I do have the opportunity and the privilege to be able to serve the Lord on the continent of Africa as a missionary, and we'll talk more about that here in just a few moments. But Pastor Carlos, thank you again for the opportunity to be here. He's one of the most encouraging people I've ever met in my entire life. Constantly encouraging people. Talking about the good things about people. As we were in the auditorium in the sanctuary earlier and we were meeting people who were walking into the building and he said about everyone, this is the greatest person. This person is the greatest person. I love this person. They are the best person. And so I was very encouraged about that with Pastor Carlos. Uh, so very honored to be able to be here. Uh, my family could not be here with me this morning, so uh, I wanted to be able to put a picture of them on the screen so that you could see who they are um, and see my, my family if we have that. This is my wife, Kristen. Yep. My wife, Kristen, she and I have been married now for uh, almost 19 years. Um, someone said recently to her, they said, are you just really young or is your husband much older? I felt good about myself after that. Uh, my son Jude to the left is 15 years old. And this picture's, yeah, this picture's over a year old. And um, so he's, he's even older looking than that now. So he was, he was 14 or 13 years old at the time when this picture was taken. Um, he was born with a big head. You can see, this is our son Cruz. <clears throat> he's now 12 years old and hair, his hair is much longer. He was born with a big head. And in my arms is our daughter, Indy, who is six years old. And uh, she 
loves to give me hugs. And you know what I like to do? I like to give her hugs in return. And she was born with a perfectly sized head. <laughs> but you know, you know what it's like to be born with big heads? Uh, we have a big-headed problem in our family. My mom says that my head is the same size today as it was the day that I was born. So we've learned to deal with those problems in our family. I'm very excited because I believe the Lord has given me something that, that I want to be able to share with you this morning that hopefully will encourage you before you walk out the door of the building, but also I believe will uh, encourage your heart to hear about what the Lord is doing on the continent of Africa and around the world. If you have your Bible, would you turn with me to the book of Ezekiel chapter number 37? The book of Ezekiel, chapter number 37, verse number 1. The book of Ezekiel, chapter number 37, verse number 1. This is what it says. It says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. And then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. I call this message because I said so. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for the opportunity to be in church this morning. God, I pray that your anointing and I pray that your word would go forth in the house. Father, I thank you for what you've been doing in Elohim now for 70 years. And I, I praise you for the opportunity to be able to stand in this pulpit. So, Father, I pray that you would hear the words of people that are calling out to you from all over the world. And I pray in the name of Jesus that we would leave this room and we will know that we've been in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. In your name we pray. And everyone said with me, Amen. And amen. When I was two years old, my dad had a dream. In fact, my dad had a dream, and in his dream, he saw himself on an airplane, and he saw himself in this moment on an airplane, and he was trying to understand the context of his dream. So as my dad was landing onto a narrow strip of asphalt, he was looking out the window in his dream, and, and he could tell that there was something happening, something spiritual was happening to him in this dream. The plane landed, he got off the plane, the stairs were, were lowered down onto an asphalt runway and my dad walked to the bottom of these stairs and he was trying to get his bearings and trying to understand where he was. And So he looked out across the bay of water and he recognized that he was surrounded on three sides by water. In fact, he was standing on a peninsula. So he looked out across the bay of water and on the other side he saw that there was some mountains that rose up all the way from the mountains where the mountains met the beach. And on that mountainside there was a city. He could see that there were twinkling lights in the distance that signified to him that he was in fact looking at a city. And immediately he woke up from his dream. He ran to my mother. I'm two years old at the time. He ran to my mother and he said, I feel like God is calling us into missions and I think the Lord has shown me where we're going to go. And my mom, she laughed out loud. She said, you can go. I'm going to stay. So my dad began to pray for my mother. He said, Father, I pray that you would speak to my wife, that you would show her the place that you've shown me, and that we would begin to get a calling together to do the thing that you've called us to do. And my mom, she began to pray for my dad. She said, Jesus, I pray that you would get those crazy thoughts out of my husband's head in the name of Jesus. 
I don't know what kind of things he's been thinking and feeling and praying about, but in the name of Jesus, cancel those dreams out. My mom and dad began to cancel their own dreams out. They would pray for and against one another, trying to believe that maybe one of them would get the best of the other while they were praying and asking God for his will. But eventually, seven years later, my mother and my father found themselves on the same page. And they found themselves sitting in front of a group of men and women talking about the needs on the continent of Africa. My hope and my prayer for many of you this morning is that you will finally find yourself in a place where you begin to stop wondering about what God has called you to and begin to embrace the call of God that's already been placed upon your heart. See, there's some of us in the room this morning, and I think if I were to very clearly begin to articulate what you have felt, you would be honest with me and say that God has begun speaking to you about something that you may not even know how to put into words. But that's the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit begins to put things inside of us that we don't even begin to understand or recognize until we learn to submit to who He is and to what God is calling us to do. So if I had a goal in mind for every single person in the room today, it would be that you would begin to lead into who you know God is calling you to be and stop running in the other direction to begin to embrace the power of the Holy Spirit to use you to make a difference in the world around you and the world all across this planet. Because you and I have been called to do, see, and experience significant things for the power, the blessing, and the favor of God upon our lives. See, let me tell you from a parent's perspective, we don't always have the best answers to our kids' questions, do we? You ever been asked a question by your children that you said, I don't have the answer to this, but I'm going to show you that I do. I've always find my kids, I don't have the best response to my kids' questions, especially what's in, it's in response to a command that I give them. I need you to go downstairs and I need you to make your bed. Well, why? <laughs> I'm going to need you to take out the trash today. Well, why? Whenever I want to feel sad, I go down into my basement. That's where my boys live. I go down there and I find ramen that's returned to its original state. You ever seen ramen that began crunchy and ended up crunchy as well? We put that in our system and we wonder to ourselves why we are in the shape that we're in. I like to go down to the basement and I found an empanada behind my son's chair in his room. What's so interesting about that is that empanada had been bought for him two weeks earlier. I found it behind the chair in his room. So sometimes I like to tell my children, there are things that I need you to do. I need you to actually do things. And my children, in those moments, they try to question me. And I've thought to myself, I don't always have the best thought-out replies to my children's questions, especially when they're in response to my authority. Sometimes the only answer that I have in that moment is because I said so. Now, y'all, we know that that frustrated us when our parents said that to us. Because I said so. And now here we are saying the exact same thing to our own kids when we don't know what we're supposed to be saying to them in the moment. It frustrated us and here we are saying to our sons and our daughters the very same thing because I said so. The unique thing about because I said so is that it has no explanation. Because I said so was filled with ambiguity. Because I said so has to rely on trust and belief. In other words, when moms and dads say, because I said so, we hope that there is understanding between father and son, between daughter and mother, to make the best decisions for their children. So take me back with you for a moment to the scripture. It says, the hand of the Lord was upon me. What you and I are seeing in this moment was, is one of the most dark and powerful moments in all of Scripture, and yet it's one of the most powerful moments that we will talk about today. The prophet Ezekiel is taken to a valley. 
And I use my imagination and I picture mountains covered in loose rocks standing like piers around the valley. No more than two entrances to the valley. And we have to begin to wonder to ourselves, what brought these bones together where they met in the middle of a valley and lost their lives? I've come to believe, plain and simple, that this was a place that brought warriors out to war. And I've had this verse on my heart for some time, and I believe that there are truths buried within the context of the Scripture. And as I've reread this time and time again, I've come to believe that there are missions, contexts buried within the layers of the Scripture. And the first one is very simple, and the first one is this. Every purpose has power, but only if put into practice. Every purpose has power, but only if that purpose is put into practice. What do I mean by that? I mean that you and I were made on purpose and for a purpose. There was no randomness to the creation of our lives. You may be a random person, but random events and random moments do not equate to the order of my life. In fact, the word order implies that you and I have a place. A place where we do what God has called us to do. A place where we live the way that God has shown us to live. And a way that we begin to live that purpose out. Here's the catch. My place in the order and your place in the order do not always line up. In other words, my place may not be your place. My gifting may not be your gifting. What gives me joy may not give you joy. But there's some of us in the room this morning that you are struggling to understand your order in the places that God has put you, the places that God has positioned you. You've become stressed and concerned over the fact that here you are in the middle of a season of your life trying to understand the direction that God has given to you. But I believe that God wants to cause you to flourish and experience abundant blessing upon your life as you begin to step into the understanding of who you are and who God has made you to be. You've not been called to be random, but sometimes the random events in your life make you confused and you've begun to believe that God is somehow out of control in your life. But I believe that if you and I would begin to submit ourselves to who God is, step into the plan that we can see in front of us, then we would begin to find ourselves on a trajectory that would make a difference in the world around us and the world at large. We've been called to do more than just to look at the neighbor... We've been called to do more than just to look at the neighbor. In fact, we've been called to look around the world. But first, the test of my life and the test of my ability to trust God is seeing in whether or not I can interact with my neighbor. Why would God choose to use me significantly if he first can't use me smallly? If God can't use me to speak to my neighbor, then why would God choose to use me significantly in the way that I dream? See, sometimes we lie in bed and we dream about these powerful moments in which we stand in significant places in my job, in my family, and yet at the same time, we know the pain of the person in the cubicle next to us and we wonder, how could we ever share my faith with her? But God is calling us to do more. God is calling us to step out. I love my kids. I've already said this. I love my children. But my children have a way of critiquing me. Have you ever been critiqued by an 11-year-old? It's interesting. My, my children tell me that I'm eccentric. And at first, I didn't know what that meant. And I knew what the word meant, but I didn't know what they thought it meant to them. I thought maybe it was because when I go pick them up from school, I roll the windows down and I listen to 80s music, and I'm very comfortable with that. I think every song should be sung just a little bit operatic, and I walk around the house singing songs in an operatic voice, and maybe they think that's eccentric of me. 
Maybe they think it's eccentric of me that I ask everybody questions about their life and I'm interested in their friends and I want to know more about them. And then my son Cruz says, do you, would you like their social security number as well? <laughs> Maybe they think that's eccentric of me. A few weeks ago, my wife Kristen and I were shopping at a large store and we were walking down the aisle and we saw a man pushing a shopping cart. He was pushing a shopping cart like this. And I saw that man, and she said, did you see him? Uh, yes, I do. She said, that's eccentric. That's you. That's something you would do. And for about two seconds, I was offended, angry, and upset until I realized to myself, that is something I would do. <laughs> see, sometimes we're critiqued by the people around us, and it makes us question who we are. But here's the good news. Your order is found in your orders. The uniqueness of who you are begins to be the gifting that God has placed upon your life. It begins to be the gifting of why God calls you and how God uses you. See, where you fit is found in what frustrates you. In other words, you belong by doing what God has designated you to do. Your job is to do the job that God has put in front of you. What is that? If it's to preach, then preach it, preacher. If it's to teach, then girl, you better teach. If it's to put all that you have to the business, that God has put in front of you then give everything you have and everything that you are to the glory of God because when you give everything that you are to the glory of God the glory of God falls upon you and if the glory of God falls upon you the world around you is changed by the favor that rests upon you as sons and daughters of God you are called to be more appointed to be more destined to be more set forth to be more so embrace the person that God is calling you to be and never forget that at the end of every single day God deserves all of the praise he deserves all of the glory all of the honor if God has appointed you set you apart and called you into something spectacular then remember when God's blessing falls he's the one who created you to be where you are he's the one who appointed you he's the one who set you up and if God set you up and appointed you never forget that he still deserves the highest praise he still deserves the highest praise so here's where we're going for just a little while this morning. You have all been set on mission. But the mission isn't fulfilled unless your purpose is realized. And yet your purpose cannot be realized without an embrace of the mission of God. It becomes the catch of our life. We cannot know our purpose without an embrace of God's mission. And we cannot help to fulfill that mission and vision without being settled into our own purpose. See, someone needs to hear this for just a moment. Purpose and placement are tied to mission and vision. You were made to be filled. You were made to be complete in Jesus. You were born to be finished in His presence. You are filled when your purpose is found in God's placement. You become complete when you are full of the mission of God. See, for some of you in the room who feel empty, lonely, and lost, it comes back down to this simply. You have yet to obey your marching orders. You have yet to obey the orders that God has put in front of you. See, marching orders are to a better future. Marching orders are meant to find who you really are. Marching orders are for life. They are not for death. They are meant for us to hear the voice of God and then to go there. So for just a moment, let's go back to our verse. It says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and He brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full 
of bones. I want you to take note of two things. The first thing I want you to take note of is that it says he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord. See, this is crucial for our understanding of the moment and of who we are. He brought me out in the spirit of the Lord. The reference to the spirit of the Lord in this moment is the marker of the spiritual nature of the context. God took him to a place. God brought him out. God's power sent him. The prophet was taken to a valley through God's anointing, not through his own ability. We read this and we're led to believe that God gives Ezekiel a vision. A, things, a vision where he sees things in the supernatural. And here's where I want to take you for just a moment. When my purpose is his, he will take me to places I never could have gone on my own. He will show me things I could not have seen with my own eyes. He will put me in situations I could not have created with my own strength. As long as my purpose is His, He will open doors I never could have opened on my own. This is why the best place for you to be is always in the palm of His hand. Your home is in His hand. Your peace becomes in where He positions you. And your grace is always found in the goodness of God. My grace is found in the goodness of God. The second thing I want you to take note of is this. He set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. Let me just say this confidently. You are made in the valley. You're formed in the valley. In fact, you are vindicated in the valley. You will experience the victory of God in the valley of dry bones. You won't want to stand there. But if you will stand there faithful to God, He will show you victory in the valley of dry bones. See, God was showing Ezekiel a scenario that should not exist. I don't believe the valley of dry bones was God's intention. This valley should not exist. Death should not exist. Pain should not exist. Hate should not exist. Racism should not exist. The valleys of your existence that have been filled with long lost life should not exist. Some of you look at scenarios of what you've come through and the pain of your past and wonder to yourself why God brought you through that pain. Why God brought you through that heartache. Why God brought you through the struggle of a divorce. The loss of a child. A cancer diagnosis that seems incurable. And you wonder to yourself why God would have brought you through there. And so I want you to be able to say confidently to the Lord this morning. When valleys of dry bones exist. When they experience you. And when you experience them, when they do exist, when you have felt hatred, when you have touched evil, when you felt the pain of sin and experienced loss and heartache, when you find yourself standing in a valley of dry bones and wonder how you got to this place, I want you to be bold with me. I want you to say this should not exist. And so I will trust God to bring me through the valley of dry bones. And on the other side of this experience, I will still be reminded of the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, the blessing and the grace of God this is what you will experience as we go just a little bit further and deeper this morning this is something that you will probably experience standing in the valley of dry bones the first thing that you'll want to do is you'll want to deny it you'll say this can't be there's no way that I can be here see when we deny the valley of dry bones and when we ignore it when we deny our sin we inadvertently perpetuate it See, it's in our denial that sin defines and defies us. We do more than deny sin. 
we deny the plan of God for our life. We deny and defy who God is and who he is to us. When we deny the mission and the purpose that God has placed on us, we live in the very denial of who we were meant to be. Friends, listen to me. You were not called by God in a broken world to live an average and an ordinary life. You were called to a supernatural existence that reminds the world around you that the God that we serve is sovereign, holy. He's a miracle-working God. He's seen me in my brokenness, and He still calls me chosen. The second thing that you'll be tempted to do in a season where you stand in a valley of dry bones is you'll be tempted to deflect it. The definition for the word deflect is to turn aside. See, if in our denial we pretend that the valley of dry bones doesn't exist, when we deflect, we ignore the ramifications of the valley. Deflection is the denial of personal responsibility. Deflection is when we turn our ear to weeping. Deflection is when we say to God, no, when he's called us to go. My son Jude, my 15-year-old big-headed son, he played football this last year. In the eighth grade, he started playing football, and he loved it. He was excited about it. He played middle linebacker. And all season long, the only thing he would say to me, even though he had broken tackle records in his little middle school, he was excited about football and was starting to lift. And I'm starting to feel challenged by my son, you know. He's 15 years old, and he's like, Dad, how many sit-ups can you do? <laughs> um, a lot. I'm going to take a nap, and I'm going to come back and show you <laughs> how many I can do. So I'm starting to be challenged by my son. But all season long, the only thing he wanted to do was play offense just once. And on the very last game of the season, an away game, Jude in the last two minutes was put into offense. The team was down. They were down by four points. And here he was, Jude, was playing offense, and he was standing just two feet from the end zone. All of a sudden, the quarterback passed him the ball. You could see the ball slow motion starting to fly through the air. Literally, the entire stadium slowed down as the ball started to float through the air in slow motion. All of a sudden, music began to play behind him. I'm telling you, it was a miracle. Music came out of nowhere. God's hand was upon the moment. And all of a sudden, the ball flying slowly through the air went to my son. And all of a sudden, Jude reached up into the middle of the air and he batted the ball to the ground. That's not true. In fact, with slow motion and the band playing behind him, he caught the ball, took two steps, and crossed over into the end zone, scoring the game-winning touchdown. My son is a little prideful. He threw the ball to the ground. Everybody watching him, he, this moment was, was very exhilarating for him as he stood there in front of this crowd of people. The only time he played offense the entire season and he scored the game-winning touchdown. See, there are some of you in the room that God has been waiting for the moment in which he could pass you the ball. There's some of you in this building that you've been, you've been asking for the opportunity to actually play offense. And yet when God has been calling you to stand in a moment of offense, you've looked at the ball and said, but that's not my responsibility. 
It's not what I've been called to do. I'm here to play defense. See, in reality, each and every one of us are called to play both positions. We're called to play offense, to stand against the enemy, to stand against the world, to stand against culture. And at the same time, we're also called to defend our home and our house against the wiles and the schemes of the enemy that he would try to throw at us every single day. Your responsibility is to do the job that God has given you to do, to believe this morning that if these bones do exist, then what is my responsibility in the midst of a valley of dry bones? If this brokenness exists, what is my responsibility? If pain exists, what is my responsibility? If hate exists, what is my responsibility? If a world that does not yet know Jesus exists, what is my responsibility to it? To stand in a valley of dry bones. Please come play, my friend. Please come play. The third thing that you'll be tempted to do is to decide, can these bones live? This is where we've been headed this morning. Behind every problem, there is potential. Behind our brokenness, there is a healer. And behind our sin, there is a savior. My wife and I now have been serving for about two years as missionaries to the continent of Africa. I've loved the experience of living this life so far. It's probably one of the most challenging lives that I've lived. Two years ago, a member of our team went to northern Ghana to dig a water well. This member of our team went to the northern part of Ghana where the, the sand and the clay was red. See, the reason that we want to send people to dig water wells is because we like to say in Africa that Water is life, but water is also death. See, 70% of our body is water, and so water is necessarily for mere survival. But oftentimes, young ladies, especially on the continent of Africa, will go to draw water. And as they go to draw water, we've seen this more than once, that there are crocodiles waiting underneath the surface. And they go to draw water from the river, they go to draw water from the stream, and just below the surface, so we've seen young ladies and some young men that have lost limbs just trying to find water for their families. In other cases, in other scenarios, they will go to find water in streams and in ponds that have been trampled by animals, taking that bacteria-laden water back to their families where they find themselves sick. So we went to northern Ghana to dig a well because water is life. And on the day that the well was dug, people came from all of the region to see the clean water for the very first time. There were dozens, if not hundreds, of people that had come to stand there and to look at the moment in which the water was going to be dug. But see, we knew that God was getting ready to move, and so what our team did is we, we found a man who was going to pastor the first church in that community. Because we didn't want to dig a, water, a well and give physical water and not leave the living water as well. So Pastor Timothy became the pastor of the church. And because people were coming from all the regions in this primarily Muslim area, because they were coming from all the regions to find and water, Pastor Timothy quickly saw his church filled with people. People were getting saved and converting from Islam and giving their lives to Jesus in this small community. And one day Pastor Timothy had a knock at his door. He went to the door and he opened it, and there in front of him was standing a man who had recently converted from Islam. 
the man looked at Pastor Timothy and said, I would like to be baptized. So Pastor Timothy knew that they had a baptism service coming up. And he said, in, in a couple of weeks, I want you to come back because we're going to have a baptism service for all the new converts. And so Pastor Timothy started to close the door, but as he did, the man put out his hand and said, no, I would like to be baptized now. So Pastor Timothy looked around and he saw that there was no baptismal tank, there was no pool of water, there was no stream, but, but what they had was a well. So Pastor Timothy walked over to the well and he began to pump the water onto the ground and the water fell and created red mud there at the base of that pump, pumping the water down to the ground. And Pastor Timothy looked at the man and said, lay down. So he laid down in the mud, rolled around, and he rolled around in the mud. And he said, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, being baptized in the mud created from the well that had brought living water to an entire community. Two weeks later, another knock at his door. See, this man's whole family was coming to experience Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and there standing at his door was this man at Pastor Timothy's door, and this time standing with him was his wife. And she said, I would also like to be baptized right now. So Pastor Timothy began to pump the water. She laid. She rolled around. She was baptized in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And this man's entire family began to experience a move of God until just a few days later there was a third knock at his door. And there standing in Pastor Timothy's door was this man. And on his right was his wife who had just been baptized. And on his left, his other wife. And she said, I would like to be baptized. Do you know behind every problem that we see, God has already seen past the problem to the potential? Behind the, the problems and the pain that we see in this world, God has been looking past that problem to see the potential that exists on the other side for an entire family to experience life change through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the goodness and the faithfulness of God. You may look at your situation and only see a problem, but God has seen the potential. He's seen the potential of your heartache. He's seen the potential of your brokenness. He's seen the potential of your family. He's seen the potential of your job. And on the other side, of the pain only is a problem for a sovereign God to solve in the middle of your brokenness. There is no pain that it cannot heal. There is no brokenness that it cannot put back together. Why? Because the God who was is the God who is. The God that stood there is the God that is today. And the God that we serve is the God we embrace daily to bring life change to a world that exists in front of us. We do not serve a God who has been broken down by time and culture. We serve a God who is calling to you today, standing in the middle of the valley of dry bones. Standing in the middle of the valley of dry bones, the Bible says this. It says that Ezekiel looked at God and God said, can these bones live? Ezekiel, he, he deflected the question. He said, well, you know God. You, you're the one. You know if these bones can live or not. And God said, well, then prophesy to these bones. 
Declare to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And the scripture says that in that moment, the prophet Ezekiel looked at the bones that he was standing in the middle of and he said, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. The Lord says to these dry bones that you shall live. And what do we know that the Bible says? The Bible says that when Ezekiel began to speak to the dry bones, that there came from the four places in the earth a wind that began to fill the bones and cause these bones that had once been a mighty army now to live again because someone stood in the middle of the valley of dry bones and said, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Do you know what you're responsibility is in the world that we live your responsibility is to stand in the middle of your workplace your responsibility is to stand in the middle of your family your responsibility is to stand in the middle of a world that needs a missionary like you and to say to the brokenness dry bones hear the word of the Lord to see to the death and say dry bones hear the word of the Lord because on the other side of a generation that is dead and dying is an exceedingly great army been waiting for somebody like you that will say dry bones hear the word of the Lord can these bones live God said to Ezekiel God told him what to say and then Ezekiel said what he was supposed to have you stood in the middle of the valley of dry bones and said to God what you're supposed to say. I wanted to talk more about missions today. But this is for somebody in the house. There's somebody in this room that you have questioned your ability to serve God. You've questioned who you are as sons and daughters of God. I wondered how can God use me? And I believe the Lord is saying to you today, Seven years after my dad had that dream. And he and my mother got on the same page. My mom and my dad found themselves sitting in front of a group of men and women in Springfield, Missouri to talk about missions on the continent of Africa. And after an hour of talking about places that might need a missionary like them, my dad was frustrated and started to push back from the table. And a man reached out and grabbed his arm and said, let me tell you about Sierra Leone. So my dad said, fine. And the man who's a silver-haired elderly statesman of missions in our fellowship, he said, today, in 1990, this story happened. He said, today, Sierra Leone is the second poorest country in the world. He said, there are about 35% of the nation that claims to be Christian. The other majority claim to be Muslim. And yet there is still a growing population of animists who worship their ancestors. The struggle that we have in Sierra Leone, he said, is that even the Islamic people worship their ancestors. And some of the Christians are struggling to understand how they shouldn't worship both God and their ancestors. And he said, Sierra Leone is a fascinating place. The infrastructure is not there and it doesn't exist. 
He said, but when you land in Freetown, the capital city, which was created by freed American slaves in the 1800s, he said, when you land in Freetown, the capital city, it's unique because you land on a peninsula. And he said, when the steps are lowered down under the asphalt and you walk to the bottom of the stairs, you'll see that there's a bay of water. And on the other side of the bay it are mountains that rise from where the mountains meet the beach. And there is a city that rises up on those mountains. And he began to describe the exact same place that my dad had seen in his dream seven years earlier. In 1990, my mom and dad became missionaries to Sierra Leone in West Africa where they served for the next 16 years. Serving Jesus in a place that needed people just like you. My hope and my prayer this morning is that some of you standing in the middle of the valley of dry bones would look at your scenario, look at your situation and say, God, if these bones can live, then give me the words to speak to them. If these bones can live, then tell me how to move forward. God, if these bones can live, and allow me to say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment? Come on, with the people in the house who know how to pray, would you just begin to pray? Father, we praise you in this moment right now, and I pray in the name of Jesus that you begin to speak to people right here and right now. Begin to speak to people about their future. Begin to speak to people about who you are. Begin to speak to people about what you are saying in this moment, in this season, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Would everybody in the room, would you stand to your feet right where you are, please? Would you stand with me to your feet all over the building? But remain in an attitude of prayer. Remain in an attitude of prayer and, and honor before God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to ask some of you to come to this altar and find a place where you can talk to the Lord. Because there's some of you in the room that you've been standing in the middle of the valley of dry bones and you're not sure what to do next. You're trying to understand your future. You're trying to understand the moments. You're trying to understand why. And I believe that the Lord is calling to you today to speak to these bones. Maybe this, maybe this means something to you related to your family. Maybe this means something to you related to your job. Maybe, just maybe, the Lord is calling you to step out in faith and trust Him in missions. To trust Him in ministry. And you're standing in the middle of the valley of dry bones and saying, what do I say to these bones? And I believe that God wants to begin to pour out His Spirit upon you and pour out anointing upon you this morning. So I'm going to be real with you. I'm going to count to the number three. And if you have heard from God today, or maybe you're saying, God, I submit myself to you. I submit my plans. I submit my will. I submit my future to you now so that when you call me, I'm ready. And if I am standing in the middle of the valley of dry bones, I know that I can speak to these dry bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word. On the count of three, I want you to slip out of your seat and I want you to find a place at this altar. Are you ready? One, two, three. Just join me at the altar if that's you. Slip out of your seat. We're going to take a moment to hear from God and begin to pray and begin to seek the face of God for just a moment. Hallelujah to the Lord.
our pastors and leaders, could you come and find a place to pray and find someone to pray for, please? Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that it blesses and encourages your life.